Hi, and welcome to episode 62 of Take Him With You. For April 4th, 2010. Easter. Today, I talk about our fun experience in traffic court. And what Easter means to us. Right here on Take Him With You. And of course, today we are going to replay our Easter audio drama from last year. A lot of new listeners, and so uh, you'll probably hear this for the very first time. And we think you're really going to enjoy it. Stars a cast of all sorts of cool people that we know from the internet. And you'll be able to hear the entire drama called Beaten to a Pulp. And that's all coming up here on Taking With You. Hi, this is Rick Moyer, and I've got a brand new CD out to watch the stars with. It's called Stargazer. Take a listen to some of the songs. Three, two, one, zero. Launch commit. Liftoff. We have liftoff with Apollo 14. Three minutes past the hour. this 13-track CD or download it at takehimwithyou.com slash stargazer. Stargazer, a collection of songs to watch the stars with. Get your copy today. Do you have your copy, Amy? Yes, I do. It's in the kitchen by my CD player that fits under the cabinet that I like so well. Yeah, and uh, you know what I'm excited for? What are you excited for? Well, and we can kind of talk about this happening around our house because we're going to have to do this kind of quick because the drama's rather um, well. It's longer. It's, yeah, it's longer. Okay. So we'll just do this quick. But um, my daughter convinced me into buying a hammock. Yes, I I know she didn't have to work very hard. You know why? I know why because you like stargazing. And now instead of having to climb on top of the trampoline, and always be disturbed by bouncing up and down i can jump into the hammock right in any position in the yard that i want to be at and watch the night sky and this is why i bring this up because when we release the stargazer cd and the download on itunes and amazon and uh, cd baby um it was during the winter Mm -hmm. and now with it coming into spring and summer it's going to be a lot nicer out and you're going to see this see the stars way more often and I'm hoping that a lot of people will go ahead and just go ahead and buy that uh, that download or that CD. Not only does that help our family, but it gets that music out. And I'm already busy working on the follow-up. Yeah, you are? You didn't know that. I, well, you know, you're always like doing things in your studio, so I'm, I'm never sure. But I know that you are doing a soundtrack for another yes. podcast. And that's, what I, that's my next... We worked out a deal where... Um, um, I retain the rights of the music mm-hmm. for the Martians Are Here podcast. And I'm actually going to put that out on iTunes and Amazon instead of producing a CD, unless I have a, a lot of people request a CD because that costs a whole lot more. But uh, I'm probably going to most likely take the tracks that we're doing on the uh, Martians Are Here podcast, put that together as a compilation, and release the soundtrack as a follow-up because you could watch the stars to this as well. It's very... It's really different type of music, a little bit different than my Stargazer album, but um, definitely worth a listen. Yeah, 
I've I've listened to quite a bit of your music, and it's it's pretty interesting. Yeah, well, you're not especially not, the Australian. A, you part. tell me I'm, you're a fan. I by the way, I ordered a didgeridoo. I'm glad you said that word. Didgeridoo. I, it's I don't a. Think I could. It's it's a instrument played by the Aboriginals in Australia. Mm-hmm. And I ordered one, and it's on its way. And I'm actually going to be working on that for. Um, um, Meds has written a short story for the Martians Are Here podcast that uh, Stephanie is working with him on, and I'm going to do a soundtrack for that, and I'm actually going to use the didgeridoo, as well as for the Martians Are Here podcast, because there's a character called Corporate Jim, who is an aboriginal that um, is on a walkabout, and I want the music to be authentic and real sounding, and so I'm going to borrow some percussion instruments from some friends of mine, and then actually learn how to play the didgeridoo. Yeah. So it's going to be kind of fun musically lately. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so yeah. that's exciting. And I guess we're just already doing the what's happening at our house stuff already. Okay. So, But let me really quickly play the promo for The Martians Are Here, and then we'll be right back to tell you a little bit more about what's going on in our house, and then we'll play the Easter special in its entirety so you can really enjoy Beaten to a Pulp. If you like a good science fiction story, then you'll like The Martians Are Here podcast by Australian author Stefan Sonnen. The Martians Are Here podcast is a science fiction serial around 15 minutes per podcast episode set in the not-too-distant future. It's a story about two alien species from very different origins who bring their ongoing war to Earth with disastrous consequences for humanity. told through the eyes of five people who must piece together what's going on in order to survive. This is what happens when biology, technology, and adaptability collide. The Martians Are Here podcast on iTunes and on themartiansarehere.com. And by the time that you uh, are listening to this podcast on the Take Him With You podcast with Rick and Amy Moyer, that's us. Yeah. Uh, I believe uh, chapter number four will be out, and you can uh, be listening to that. Really neat story already, and it's just captivating, don't you think? Yes, but I, I wish I could listen to the whole, the whole like twenty-seven episodes or how many there are all at once. Well, some people do that, but uh, I recommend listening every week because it just kind of whets your appetite, it's, and you want to find out what happens next. It's, it's kind of like a cliffhanger every week. Every week, kind of like twenty-four. Yeah, but better. I think it's a lot better. I think it's better than 24. Oh, by far. Yeah. It's very interesting. The characters are coming to life. And as you get into Chapter 8, another character is um, is introduced that's really a neat character. And I can't wait to see what happens with that character. Pretty intense. Yeah. The script is very intense. And yeah. Stefan's doing a wonderful job of writing. And we really appreciate him. And very, very fun. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. So let's talk about real quick about what's going on in our house. I just got back from going with my son, Andrew. Yes, I felt so bad for him. We went to traffic court. 
he he got pulled over for the first time when we were on our way to um, Rick was going to preach on Valentine's, Valentine's Day, Day out in Quinault and at Lake Quinault, mm-hmm. their little community church out there. Yeah, and um, he was following us because he had a little job to do for some friends after church. They were moving, and he he said he'd help. So he was taking his own car, and we turned around the corner, and we and noticed he, was he wasn't behind us anymore. And so we waited there for like 10 or 15 minutes. Where's Andrew? And finally, you left me on the curb because I suggested <laughs> you asked that. that. I didn't I leave said, you there. I, I said, can you yeah, leave? Yeah, get out of here, lady. I Stand said, on the curb. Oh, I'm out of here. I'm just being a mom. So I said, I'll just, stay here. I'll just yeah, stay right. here in case he comes along, and you go look for him because we we're concerned he'd been in well, an accident. Well, long story, we already told this story on the other okay. podcast, but or on, the, on one of the other podcasts. But let's just say, long story short, he got pulled over because his tabs, his license tabs, were expired for two months. Yeah, he's like the best driver in our family. I, I feel know. so I felt bad. bad for him. You know. Well, they yeah. gave the officer didn't even. I mean. Andrew was kind of jumbled up. It was scary. You know, it's scary when you get pulled over. And if you've never done anything wrong, he didn't know why he was pulled over. And finally, the officer told him and uh, gave him a $216 ticket. Yes. Ouch. Yeah. For a kid that doesn't have a job and is going to school full time. That's a difficult situation. That's a lot of money. It is. So yeah. there was an option on the on the ticket to send it in and have a... Um, a hearing. A hearing. Uh-huh. Basically, you admit you that you did the infraction... But you can go before the judge. Well, we none of us have ever done that before. Nobody's ever got a ticket. Yeah, no one in, in our, our family ever had a ticket. We, we probably deserve them, but we've never had them. Well, anyway, we had we showed up, and Andrew wanted to go early this morning, so we get into the courtroom, and we're not just in there with traffic violators, but there's like they're bringing people in with handcuffs and everything else, and the judge is he was just fascinating. I I don't remember his name, but he was fascinating, and he. He would lecture the folks and bring out their entire record in front of everyone. There's a whole courtroom full of people listening. And there were lawyers there and everything else. And finally, uh, we get through a bunch of the, the folks that have been arrested with meth and and uh, domestic violence and all this other stuff. And Andrew's just kind of got big wide eyes. And I'm like, well, this is interesting. But then it finally it went into the next docket, and that was mostly traffic violations. Mm-hmm. And at that point, um, it was... Um, the judge lightened up a little bit, and it actually was quite funny. It was like watching court TV. On okay. it was it was like watching uh, Judge Judy. I never watch those shows. They they bother me. Oh, it was so funny because he would he would yeah. say you know he would he would just wouldn't pull any crap on anybody, and he'd just say it how it was, you know. Uh-huh. And anyway, so a bunch of people didn't have insurance, and so they got fined for that. And he started reducing tickets for people, and then he called for Andy Moyer. Uh oh. That's not my son's my Andy. Son He's not never Andy. Goes by Andy. So he gets up there and he continues to call him Andy, and wanted to know what his excuse was for not renewing his tabs. And Andrew very quietly said, "Well, I, I just bought the car and and uh, didn't even realize the tabs were expired." And he goes, "Oh!" And then the judge totally sympathized with him. He said, "You know what? I have a lot of people that come in when they just buy a car." They don't realize that it's exp- they should just at that point renew your tabs for a year, but they don't. Yeah. And and so he goes. Sometimes you're confused. He goes. I completely understand. Uh, you, he goes. You don't have. How's your driving record? And he goes. Well, I've only been driving since you know for a couple of years in, or a year or so, and I don't have. I didn't have any infractions. And he goes. Okay. Well, six months probation. Um, how about if I do this? I'll I'll reduce your ticket to ninety dollars for court costs. And Andrew was very quick to say, because he'd watched a whole bunch of other people kind of argue and stuff, and he's like, thank you, sir. 
<laughs> so he went and paid his fine. Uh, thank you, sir. It's always a nice thing. Yes, and, and uh, of course, if he doesn't get any more paperwork tickets, it won't go on his insurance and it won't go on his record. And so he's basically, yes. the judge was very kind to him. So now he's out 90 bucks, but... Uh, but that's better than 216 And I have to brag on Andrew a little bit. He has never missed a day of college. He's, that's right. He's in his fifth quarter out of sixth. He'll he'll be graduating this um, early summer, spring. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he's never missed a day of school. So he was kind of concerned about um, going to traffic court. Well, it happened to be on a spring break. So that yeah, worked out so just really well. so that worked really out well. just perfect. So I'm, I'm proud of the kid. He's a hard worker. And yeah. I'm glad. I was sad he got pulled over. It was partly our fault because we didn't notice the tabs had expired. Well, either. yeah. It's really under my name because he's a minor. Yeah. But anyway, anyway, we both we learned a lesson. You yes, check your tabs. <laughs> I think you set something on the computer. Yeah, now it'll email me when they're due. Yeah, you set on all of our cars, didn't you? I believe so. So that we'll get a little email when our tabs are coming up now. I have a confession to make. Uh-oh. I went for a whole year without renewing oh, my yes. tabs on my truck. And I, I can't believe that. I never got pulled over. A whole year. Well, I'm... You say this, but I was driving all over the place with that. The majority of the time, though, you went back and forth to work, which is on a backcountry road just two miles. No, I so. went to town many times and did a lot of yeah, stuff, hauled stuff. You did some. It was it was just lucky. Yeah, you had yeah. some grace there. Yeah. But it, and then as soon as you realized they were past I due, panicked because I thought it would be a huge thought, fine. Yeah, and they said, <laughs> well, no, there's no fine, but we suggest yeah. you get So everybody, done. renew your tabs. I don't know what it's like in England or Australia or anywhere, but uh, renew your tabs if you have to, okay? Yeah. I don't even know if all countries have tabs, but we have know. tabs. Yeah, and they little stickers. Well, yeah. okay, so we've got two minutes to introduce our audio drama. Okay. So here we go. Um... What do you like about this drama, Aim? Um, I like the fact that it um, is a creative story. It's not your typical Easter story, even though it has those aspects. It has the Easter in story it. in it? Um, but even if you know, even if someone um, doesn't like passion plays or Christian plays, I think they'll like this story because. It's that, but it's a lot more. It it's has a, another story. I tag it as a science fiction story with a twist of faith. Yeah, I like that. And we really appreciate all the actors that did the voice work in it, and uh, we really are blessed to have a lot of really cool friends from the online community. Yes, we have people from England and Texas and California. and Yeah, all, I like how we put England our... as a country and then Texas and California as their own countries, even though they're states. Well, I'm, they're just, yeah. Yeah, I think that's funny. I do that all the time. Do we have people from Canada in this one? No, A. No, A. Okay. But we do have, well, Richard Pete is kind of close to Canada. He's up by Chicago, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's kind of, kind of. The Great Lakes. So introduce it for us and we'll start it off. And then uh, uh, we will not be back at the end. It's just going to close out. And then uh, next week we'll be back with a brand new series that we're going to start. Um, I'm going to try to do a really cool thing called the Five Love Languages, and uh, we'll even tell you about a, a book you can read along with us if you want. And we'll be talking about the differences between men and women, and how, and also how to communicate more effectively with anybody in your life mm-hmm. through finding out what they love and what they don't love. It's it's a good reminder, even for those of us who've read the. Book. I need to actually. I've ordered so many of those books. I need. I think we have one, but if we don't, I'll have to order another one we and get it one. here. Okay. Yeah. So, okay, introduce the drama. Well, this is Beaten to a Pulp by Rick Moyer. Ta-da! Real cute. 
<laughs> I didn't mean that. But anyway, here's the audio drama. We hope you enjoy it. The following audio presentation is brought to you by Boyer Multimedia and TakeHimWithYou.com. And now, Beat to a Pulp. The sci-fi tale with a twist of fate. Note to self, we're at the next layer here at the dig, and Dr. Blankenship is brushing around the artifact. We're not sure what it is yet. Careful. Use the smaller brush. Calm down, Blake. It's not like I've never done this before. Yeah, yeah. So what is it? Just a little more. Careful. It looks like we are the prior discoverers of a ladle. A ladle? Seriously? That's not bad. Well, after six months, I was looking forward to something a little more glamorous than a ladle, but beggars can't be choosers, can they? <laughs> no, they can't. Well, look who made it back. Did you get it? Get it? <laughs> Dr. Crowley always gets what she wants. It's in the tent. You're going to want to see this. But don't let me distract you. What did you find there? Well, it looks like a water ladle. I think this adds credence to the captain of the guard station. So far, with the other things we have dug up, our theory is really coming together. Well, then let's get this new piece of equipment out of its case and try it out. I think we'll find out very quickly if this is what we've been looking for. Note to self. March 5th, 2009. Dr. Crawley has returned with a new paleoradiology machine. We're going to look under the site that we're excavating before we actually dig this stuff up. I am so excited. (laughs) Jeez, Todd, put that thing down and help me get this out. We're making history here, Charlie. I don't want to miss one bit of it. This was a blessing, Dr. Rumstead. An x-ray machine like this for little digs like ours doesn't happen very often. I'm glad the University of Arizona let us borrow it. Usually the Bones boys get this machine. Customs had a few things to say about it, and getting it here to Israel was a miracle in and of itself. I don't believe in miracles, Samantha. But if we found what I think we have, they'll be thanking us. Too bad they don't have a time machine. That would be something. To actually go back and see what it was like. Not only could we find the places to dig at, but breathe the air. See the people. It would be an anthropologist as well as an archaeologist's dream. Yeah, like Star Trek. We can cause a headache for the temporal police. How many times did Kirk time travel? Okay, boys, enough of your science fiction. We have some non-fiction to meme up. Where's the box with the power cord? I had it with me in the airport. What do you mean? It's in a blue box. I don't see any blue box. Can you backtrack and find it? It was smaller. I could have left it in the back of the cab. I'll take you in the Jeep, Samantha. Which cab company did you use? You know, it's almost noon. I'm going to head out for a bite to eat. You guys find the power cord, and we'll meet up at uh, 1.30. Deal? Oh, sure. You get to go eat while we do all the work. Somebody has to do the planning around here. 
besides, I'm just going to go down to that little cafe on 3rd. They've got Wi-Fi, and it's not too far out of the way. If you guys get back early, call me. And guys, be careful. There's an alert out today. A couple of rockets were lobbed into the city. Don't worry, boss. I'll text you, and we won't get started with your new toy before you get back. Although, I might set it all up. Besides, I'll buy lunch for the lady, so we probably won't get back till you do. Okay, see ya. Note to self. Okay, I've got my briefcase with the timeline and my notes on Grid 4. I'm convinced we're going to find a weapon in this mess. Note to self. I'm running some projections as to what we might find if, in fact, this is the captain of the guard station. It looks like with the water ladle find that it could be exactly what I thought it was. Typically, these stations were shields, parchments with orders, cat of nine tails, and various spears, swords, and daggers. Do you want some more coffee, Doctor? Yes, thank you. Great lunch, by the way. I'm glad you like it. <laughs> yeah, it's always good here. I'm hopeful that we find some of these artifacts intact. With the help of this new equipment on loan from the University of Arizona, we should be able to see if there's more artifacts under the surface. I'll be posting my blog soon on the ladle find and plan on updating. It's kind of strange. Oh, man, I'm not feeling so comfortable with this. Oh, my God. There's a man with explosives around his way. Stop it! Everyone's so agitated. They just released Barabbas. We're going to execute the blasphemer Jesus. What land are you from? I am. Um, uh, I wouldn't be showing myself looking like you, my friend. The soldiers are coming. Hide yourself if you know it's good for you. Oh no! You there? Explain yourself. I uh. I uh. Explain yourself. What matter of uniform are you wearing? There. It, it's a. What region are you from? Is that a weapon? What? My briefcase? No, no, it's not a weapon. I just hold my things. I'll take that. Hey, give that back. He stole my briefcase. Are you just going to stand there? Stay where you are. Do not move. Yeah, right. I'm out of here.
note to self. I barely got away from the guard. I'm searching for some clothing. I have no idea what happened to me. I keep telling myself, I either died and this is my hell, or I'm hallucinating somehow. I'm fascinated, though, with how real everything seems to be. For the sake of the moment, I'm just going to go with the flow, because I don't know what else to do. I've managed to keep a hold of my watch, my digital recorder, obviously, my glasses, oh, my, and my shoes. But I lost my briefcase with all my notes and my wallet. I don't see my computer anywhere. I, I don't know what happened. I couldn't plug it in anyway. I, oh, jeez. Okay, note to self. I managed to get a tunic and a robe from an older gentleman. <laughs> I traded my watch for it. I don't think the guy knew what it was, but from what I could see, he seemed to be kind of happy. So now, I kind of look like everybody else. <laughs> well, not really. I'm the only white guy around here, <laughs> so I kind of stick out like a sore thumb. I think I'm going to try to rub some dirt on my face and my hands. At least I can attempt to fit in. I've never been much of a religious man, so what I've just discovered is, I don't know how to say it's challenging me. I just spoke to a man that was warming himself by the fire last night. He apparently recognized another man named, get this, Peter. Yeah, like Peter from the Bible, the guy that uh, supposedly walked on water. I know, it's crazy. But he told me all about his experience with this man, denying that he knew Jesus. This guy claims to have actually heard the rooster crow the third time that, that Peter denied the Christ. Absolutely amazing. He said that this Peter fellow totally broke down and began sobbing, and that he thought he might die of grief. I'm not even sure what to think at this point. This is all too real. That and I always thought of Jesus as a historical figure. I mean, I've read about him purely from that standpoint. I knew he existed, but of course I'd never met anyone that actually met him I, or saw him for that matter. Of course, Samantha, she, she claims to be a believer. She said she knew Jesus. How are you supposed to know a dead man? I don't know. Oh, somebody's coming. Okay, note to self. I've spoken to a few more of the locals here, and now I'm really alarmed. I think I might actually be here. The sights and the smells. I've never smelled in a dream before. I mean, oh no, the soldiers are coming. I gotta, get, I gotta get back. I don't want to get caught again. Anyway, the sounds and, and, the, and the sights, it's all too real. These folks that I just ran into described the events that took place this morning before I woke up in the crowd. They said that this Jesus man was put before their governor and asked if he was actually the king of the Jews. I guess the Jewish leaders are really upset over Jesus. They've accused him of being a blasphemer and a troublemaker. The strange thing is that even while he was being questioned by the Jewish leaders, apparently, even the governor, he, he didn't even defend himself. Why in the world would he say anything? I mean, 
you think if he was the son of God, he'd at least confirm it? Now I wish I would have paid more attention in biblical studies class at University of Arizona. I mean, I know about Roman culture, but I skipped over the whole Jesus thing. Note to self, I stumbled upon a crowd of folks perched on a wall. They're watching something. They seem to be really intrigued. Oh, okay. I'm at what they call the uh, Praetorium. It's the headquarters for Pontius Pilate. It's where the Roman soldiers and the captain of the guard are centralized. I'm going to climb up. See if I can uh, get a good look at what's happening. Okay, in uh, talking with another man here, I'm beginning to understand what I woke up into. Apparently, this is the time of the year that the Jewish folks can request the release of a prisoner as their, uh, well, we call it scapegoat. This year they demanded that a liar and a thief named Barabbas be let go while this Jesus fellow be imprisoned and punished. I don't quite understand it all, but that's what he said. He tells me that they're about to prepare Jesus for his execution. Okay, note to self. Uh, apparently these soldiers have the actual Jesus with it. I can't believe I'm seeing this with my own eyes. There seems to be a whole garrison in there. Strip the, his clothes off of him. There's... Now, a soldier has brought what looks like a uh, purple robe or a cape or something, wrapping it around him. One of the soldiers is has brought a makeshift crown made out of something. Uh, it's thorns. Oh, they're not gonna... Uh, they just put the crown of thorns on his head and they... They pushed it down. Oh, this is so uncomfortable. I can't do anything to help him. It's grown strangely quiet up here on the wall. We're kind of beside ourselves. What? One of them just put a stick in his hand and just knelt down in front of him. Who hit you? Yes, who hit you?
He's just lying there in a heap. There's steam rising up off him. They've cut him open and I wonder if he's even alive. I have never witnessed anything like this before. I mean, I've seen some pretty violent movies in my time, but this, this isn't like that. He's already swollen up and his face isn't even distinguishable at this point. They pulled his beard out and they laid his flesh bare. He looks like, like ground meat. can't even describe what I'm feeling right now. It's all so different when you see it happening. I, it's not just a story anymore. Why didn't he ever defend himself? What? He, he's moving. He's still alive? No! Oh, God. One of the guards just kicked him again. He's breathing, but it's shallow and short. Oh no. He just spit blood out of his mouth. This is horrifying. Get up, you dog! Two of the soldiers are dragging what appears to be a wooden cross. It's so much bigger than I imagined. They've thrown it down next to Jesus. No. I can't believe it. They've asked him to carry it on his back. Oh my God. His back's all cut up. It's bleeding. How can they do this? I'm not sure he can even get up. No, he, he's getting up. Oh, please, please, don't make him do this. I don't believe it. He's dragging it. He's actually dragging it. They're opening the doors. I'm going to jump down and follow him. as well that they're carrying it's a small crowd gathering I think it's the followers and the family of Jesus nothing is happening at this point I wonder what's holding everything up so I, um, I spoke to this young woman of course I got a few looks I, I forget sometimes here where I'm at <laughs> I mean, I understand in this culture I'm not supposed to do that in public, but anyway, whatever. I asked her who she was, and she claimed to be someone named Martha, the sister of Lazarus. Like, I was supposed to know if he was famous or something, I don't know. 
Anyway, she seemed very upset and was having a hard time concentrating. She answered my questions, but in between sobbing. And, and I, I couldn't tell her what I witnessed. I mean, she's going to see Jesus soon enough coming out here and if she can recognize him after the beating. So I asked her how she knew him, and, and she said he was a friend of the family, and he was a good man, a special man is what she kept saying. I asked her what he had done, if anything, deserving death. And she answered uh, very vehemently, no, and began to cry. And she talked about put my foot in my mouth of all the things to ask. Of course she wouldn't think he was guilty. I tried to cheer her up a bit, saying that I was a stranger in the town, and I wanted to know if this Jesus fellow was everything people said he was. And then her eyes just, like, lit up. And she began to talk about her brother and how he died, but she witnessed with her own eyes him raise from the dead. Yeah. He'd been dead for a few days, too, from what she said. And at the command of Jesus, he walked out of the tomb with his grave clothes on. She completely seemed convinced, like she'd witnessed... A miracle. She said if I was ever around him, if I could ever look into his eyes, that I would understand. She told me there was something different about him. Something you couldn't tell by just hearing about him. So I point blank asked her finally, is he really God? She looked at me like I punched her in the stomach. And and then... She stared at me with the deepest conviction I think I've ever seen. And, and she said, I do believe he is, but I don't know what to think now because they're going to kill him. Why does he have to die? She kept saying that. Why does, she, why does he have to die? And I just stared back. I, I didn't know how to answer her. I mean, oh, wait a minute. Something's happening. They've let Jesus out through the doors. The reaction from the crowd isn't good. I think for a show of strength, they've lined soldiers up, or they're lining them up on either side of the, of the road. Some people are very, very angry. All the women seem to be crying, some even wailing. Oh, my. Oh, he looks horrible. He doesn't even look human. He's like a badly beaten animal. You can't tell it's him. Just barely can. I don't see how they think he's going to be able to carry the cross from any distance at all. The crowd's growing bigger now. People are running down to the street here. Careful moving. What? No. Oh. Ah. Careful, friend. Watch yourself. Excuse me. Sorry. I, I tripped. Sorry. I, I'm just. Well, I just can't believe my eyes. I, I'm Blake. I'm called Simon. And yes, these are incredible times. How sad for this man. From what I hear, he's innocent. Yet they are killing him anyway. Exactly. I actually watched them beat him. I've been hearing about him. Oh no. Look, I, I knew he couldn't carry it. He's falling. You! You there! Me? No, you! Me? Pick up his cross. You are carrying it for him. Move! What? You heard me. Pick it up. Oh. Oh. Here, I'll help you. Here. Oh, my. He's looking right at Jesus. I'm sorry. 
pray for me, Blake. Uh, I, uh, I'll do that. Jesus. I'm so sorry. Thank you. Get out of the street. We don't have all day. Move now. Move. I met his eyes. Through all the blood and the flesh, I met his eyes. And he looked at me. Just pierced right through my soul. I'm not even sure how to feel right now. It's as though all time just stood still. I just thought he was like a fairy tale. But he's real. I keep pinching myself. This can't be real, can it? I don't know what I'm going to do. Whatever the case is, I have to figure a way to get back. I don't belong here. I mean, don't have all day. Come on, move! <laughs> So here we go. If I remember my story right, we've got a short journey ahead of us, but we're headed up to the place where they crucify Christ. I don't even know how to describe to you what I'm seeing. There's people of all walks of life, and they're like running alongside of the street. Some of them were running into the street and the Roman soldiers are pulling them back. Everybody seems to want a piece of Jesus. And he's barely able to walk. In fact, sometimes he's being drugged. I feel sorry for Simon. But he's, he's carrying it. Oh. Leave him alone! I cannot believe my eyes. And knowing what's ahead is even harder for me. I just, just never thought it was real. He was real. Pick him back up. But unless my, unless my senses are fooling me, I'm here. This is real. This is Jesus. Out of my way. I'm going to see this through. I'm going to see this through. God, give me strength. hard to bear what I'm seeing. It's, it's like a morbid parade.
note to self, we made it to a place called Golgotha. The term of the place is, is means the place of the skull. I asked a local why they use this place to execute people. He said it was just outside the city gates and near a very busy road. This way it served as a public execution and kept the citizens in check. Many, many people walk past it every hour. It seems so barbaric to me. But then again, I guess that's human nature. <laughs> hasn't changed much. I mean, look what we entertain ourselves with. <laughs> I mean, I don't think I'll watch the news ever the same way again. <laughs> he said the legend has it that Adam's skull is buried here, but then he laughed, so I don't know if he was serious or not. From what I gather, many people who pass by make the crucifixions that much worse because they hurl insults and throw garbage at the people being killed. They actually nail the hands and the feet of the people being executed, and it can take a few hours for them to die naked up on the crosses. At the end of the day, if they haven't died, the soldiers go around and they break their legs so that they can't push themselves up on their hands on the nails to get a breath of air. So basically, that's what happens is they suffocate. Note to self, I've been watching the crowd for me. There's people from all different walks of life here. I see a whole section of what appears to be religious leaders, and they're grinning and whispering back and forth with each other. It's kind of sad. I see one, though, that's similar in his style of clothing, but he seems agitated, a little bit disturbed. He's kind of back behind the others. I think I'm going to go try and talk with him. Okay, note to self. I actually got to talk to that man. His name is Nicodemus. He's a Pharisee, and I was surprised that he would speak to me, but he's a very articulate man with a lot to say. He did not seem to be in favor of what was taking place and was in obvious disagreement with his fellow leaders. He said that he was one of the only of them to ever have a personal meeting with this Jesus. He admitted that he'd gone to Jesus late one night out of fear of what his colleagues would say. And he told me his original intent was to find out about this man. He was causing such upheaval with, with everyone. He seemed genuinely curious about him, and then he admitted that he really made a statement to Jesus, not asked him a question initially. I guess his statement was something like, uh, what did he say? Jesus, I know you are, you've come from God, because no one could do all the miracles that you do if God wasn't with him. What happened next, Nicodemus said, really made him think. He said... Jesus never really answered anyone the way you'd expect him to. He oftentimes would ask another question back or make a statement. It is if he could read the motives of men's hearts. So he told me that Jesus made a statement to him about the kingdom of God and that no one could see that kingdom unless they were born all over again. He, of course, questioned him on that and found that Jesus was talking about renewing a close friendship with God, not going through the rituals and observing the law like he, like we used to do. And this really, really fascinated this Nicodemus man, uh, to the point of him questioning why he was doing what he was doing with leadership. From that point on, he found himself opposed to plotting to kill Jesus and thought perhaps that they should all listen to him instead of treating him like a rebel and a troublemaker. Oh. It looks like they're going to, um... Oh, no. Here's the part I haven't been looking forward to. They've already nailed one of the men on the cross and are lifting him into place. Oh, he looks in agony. 
The second man is very scared and is not handling things well. The soldiers have beaten him several times to get him to be quiet. Jesus, on the other hand, is bleeding, but very, very still. He's kind of heaped on the ground next to his cross. They put his tunic back on him for the journey to Golgotha, but one of the soldiers is removing it from him, and the others are fighting for it. It appears to be a nicer garment, and now they're gambling for it. I feel bad for Jesus. This must be horrible for him. One of the guards tried to get him to drink something. He said it would ease the pain, but it looks like Jesus refused it. Two of the guards now are stretching Jesus out on the cross and preparing the nails for his hands and feet. I don't know if I can watch this. I've often wondered why people would want to see someone executed. And I have no idea. It's so tragic. I can't imagine the pain he must feel. Hold his legs still. It's like mindless violence, and yet it has a purpose, and I, I hate this. I hate this. I want to look away, but I'm so compelled to see this through. I don't understand even why. I just need to stop. that reads this is the king, the king of the Jews, of the Jews. let me say they're not doing this to honor him but they're mocking him he's hanging there between two other men on crosses and the world keeps passing by all sorts of people going to and from the city the actions are very diverse one person will walk by and weep and another will yell something hateful out of their mouth Destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, Jesus? <laughs> if you can do that, why not save yourself now? If you are the Son of God, why don't you come down from the cross? He saved others. Himself he cannot save. If he is the King of Israel, let him come down off the cross and prove it. Even the leaders are scoffing and yelling out things at him. He saved others, and himself he cannot save. Blasphemer! Where are your powers now?
one of the thieves that's hanging next to him is speaking to him. What? You can't even save yourself. The other one, as he was in agony, said something very profound. He said, we deserve everything we got because we are guilty, but shut your mouth, man. Jesus is not. Remember me, Jesus, when you enter into your kingdom. I was in total shock when Jesus looks over at this other fellow hanging there and says, Today you will be with me in paradise. Those words just echoed in my mind. He's willing to forgive a man who's guilty simply for believing in him. I'm not sure how all this works, but it seems so real and loving. Here, Jesus is suffering and yet concerned about this thief that's being executed next to him. Absolutely amazing. Things are getting a little crazier now. Some of the crowd has dissipated, yet there seems to be an intensity as they're expecting the death of Jesus. I think some are lingering for a miracle and others simply want to see with their own eyes when he takes his last breath. It's it's so sad. What? Something strange is happening. It's starting to get dark out, but it's not time for that. This is like a scene from a bad sci-fi movie. But I can feel the pressure changing. A real heaviness is coming over all of us. It's rather a creepy feeling. Makes me want to run. I feel like something bad is about to happen. Ah, Ah, my ears are popping. The hair on the back of my neck is standing up. There's a man that I keep watching that has been next to Jesus' family for the entire time. Mm. I'm going to go try and talk to him. He seems very, very concerned for them. Note to self. I'm kind of in a state of disbelief. I just spoke to who I think was... The disciple John. Yeah, that's what his name was. And I know it's common around here, but it would make sense. He, he was very compassionate. He was very spiritual. But he's vexed and he's dismayed at today's events. It, he's very, very confused emotionally. He wishes he had the power to stop all of this. And at the same time, he's scared of the Romans and their power. He said some things to me that are, that are kind of disturbing from the get-go. But as I contemplate them, I think they're pretty life-changing. He claims that Jesus is the Son of God, even more that He is God in the flesh. And that everything that was created, everything we see around us, was created by this man, or God. And that the only way a person could ever understand spiritual things is to believe in Him, in this Jesus. I asked if He could just be troubled because of today's events, and that wasn't it. He was very convinced that Jesus was more than just a man, that that even more than a prophet, that he was indeed God in the flesh. I, I don't know what to think. I mean, why would God let himself be executed? That, I'm not quite understanding that. He did it for you, you know. What? Who is this? 
It's you, Blake. You're talking with yourself. Oh, great. Now I'm a lunatic. No, you're not. You're on track here, my friend. Jesus is dying so that you might live. If he doesn't do this, then you and everyone else has no redemption. No one will save you from the fate which we all deserve. Only Christ can do this. And so that is what he's doing up there on the cross. He's cashing in life to give you eternal life. Now observe. Hey, wait! How did I get here? Can I get back? I really need to get back. I don't belong here. This isn't my time. All in good time. All in good time. About three hours have passed now, and it's still dark. It's like an eclipse, except for all this darn pressure. I can I can hear faint thunder from far away. No rain at all, but, but it's rumbling from the east. It looks like Jesus is trying to say something. I can't make it out. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? This is gut-wrenching. Somebody next to me thinks that he's calling out for Elijah. They dipped a sponge in that drink they offered him earlier, and they're trying to get him to drink it, put it up on a, on a stick. They think he's delirious, but he's not drinking. Some others have just said, leave him alone, let Elijah save him. I wish they'd just shut up. I'm getting so annoyed at all this mocking. Into your hands, I commit my spirit. The ground is, is shaking now. It's an earthquake. Ah, the atmospheric pressure is intense. People are scattering and things are falling all over. I can see into the city and the buildings are toppling. It looks as though Jesus has died. He isn't moving at all, and I don't see him breathing. The thieves on either side of him are still alive and appear to be in agony, and, and they're scared. With all that's going on around them, I, I don't blame them. There isn't anywhere to run for cover. I just had to ride this out. The ground is like, like liquid. I've been in earthquakes before, but, but not like this. No, what, what was that? A man just ran by in bur burial clothes. The crowd's running all over everywhere. The soldiers are trying to keep order. I just heard the captain of the guard. He looked up into the sky and he, he said, Surely 
This was the Son of God. Seems like chaos. The ground is stopped shaking now. The soldiers have gone over to the first man and they, they broke his legs. Now they're going over to the other man. They broke his too. They're at Jesus now. But apparently they noticed that he's already dead. Oh, just to make sure one of the guards just shoved a spear into his side. Oh, gross. There's blood and water everywhere. They're just pouring down him. The other men have suffocated now. They're all dead. I don't even know how to feel. wealthy-looking man spoke to the guards about the body of Christ. It appears that he's offering his tomb for Jesus to be buried in. I caught his name. It was Joseph somewhere called Arimathea. They're accompanying him since they have orders to keep an eye on the body since rumors are that, well, his followers think he's going to come back to life. But they want to make sure nobody comes and steals the body to make it appear that way. I'm going to follow, but I've got to get something to eat. I'm exhausted and I'm tired. Perhaps I can find a place in the garden where the tomb is at to sleep. made my way with the crowd as they carried Jesus' body to the tomb, I was next to a man that was very distraught, and I I asked him what was wrong, and because he, he seemed to be even more distraught than most of the people that were around, and I knew he was grieving, but there was something more. And with tears in his eyes and a, and a disappointment, he he explained how much he loved this man named Jesus. And I said, well, why Why did you love him so much? Are you related to him? He said, no. But he relayed this story to me of how for years and years and years his hand was withered or what he, what he referred to as withered or crippled and that he couldn't stretch it out and he couldn't use it. So for, for years he, was, he had begged in the streets and wasn't able to work like the rest of the men and, and was ashamed and embarrassed and and said one day during uh, temple uh, he had come in and 
it was a day when they were, Jesus was speaking or doing something. I, I'm not sure that all the details. All I know is this, is that Jesus touched this man, and this man claims that his hand instantly stretched out, and now he can use it normally. And he says that he owes Jesus his life and is so upset that Jesus is dead. So here I'm talking to this man, and he is, and everybody around him, when he's sharing the story, is agreeing with him. And it was obvious that something had happened to him that was supernatural. So I was, I was a little blown away, and and of course I could understand why he was so distraught. He, he said he really wanted to spend more time with this Jesus fellow, and and that he was so upset that they had killed him because he knew that he was from God. Well, how do you argue with somebody's testimony? It's kind of hard. Here this man was convinced that a miracle had happened because Jesus had touched him. And I guess it caused quite a controversy. And he, you could tell he had a, a disdain towards the Pharisees and the, and the religious leaders because he was very mad at them. Note to self. I followed the procession of folks out to the tomb where they put Jesus into this cave-looking tomb, and they rolled this giant stone over the, the top of it, and then the Romans sealed it so that there was no way that anybody was going to get in and, and steal the body. And they put some guards around the tomb, and they're standing guard. I've kept far away from that, obviously. I was able to um, get some bread and eat some bread, Sure, it tastes so different than what I'm used to. It's just, I don't know, I've, I've been thinking a lot about how I could actually be here. And, you know, I, I, I just don't know. I, I don't know if the force of the blast in the place I was eating, it must have been the force of the blast. Maybe it pushed me somehow back in time. I don't know. Or this could be all my imagination. But if it was, then why would, why would I have my briefcase and... Well, I don't have it anymore. I mean, Sony stole it, but, you know, I'm talking on this recorder, and I don't know. I just, I guess my theory is if a, a huge impact like that blew me into the past, perhaps if I could get close to something that had the same amount of impact, it would push me back. But I don't know in this time frame what kind of thing that would be that could cause that. I from my reading I do remember the story of Jesus and I do remember that at one point the story says that, that well it says that he comes to life after he's dead and I saw him die and I saw him put him in the tomb and now I'm here in the in the garden and I'm, and I'm waiting I just because I'm curious I, I want to see if it really happens you know, I mean, a lot of people have had a lot of conjecture about Jesus and said that he was a good man or a prophet or or maybe even didn't, didn't exist. But I think the big controversy is, is stirs over the fact that did, did Jesus really raise from the dead? And if he did, that would totally make things different in my head. I remember reading some works of a, of a man named C.S. Lewis. And he said... Either Jesus was a liar and had fabricated the biggest hoax ever in the history of mankind. He was a lunatic, and it doesn't appear that he was, or he was really the Lord. I don't know.
I guess for years I just thought I could do it on my own. I thought my mind was, I thought I was superior. I didn't need God. But now that I'm here, and I've seen it with my own eyes, I don't know. I, I'm rethinking everything. I guess it'll all depend if, if I'm here for a day or so and it doesn't happen. Well, I guess I know. Whatever the case is, I'm going to have to get back somehow. I'm going to try to get a little rest. If I can get just close enough, if, if anything happens, I'll be able to hear it. <sighs> oh, sleeping outside is not all it's cracked up to be. My neck. Uh, the guards are still there. What? It's, a, it's, a, it's an earthquake! Another earthquake. There's light coming out from around the stone. No, the guards have fallen. Oh my gosh, the, the stone is rolling away. It's, oh, can't believe it. It's, I think you're coming out surrounded by light. It's, it's, it's him. He's alive. Note to self, I have never seen anything like that, ever, before. Now that I've got my wits about me, I can recall all the things that I saw. It was so quick. But there was this great earthquake, and then the, the guards that were guarding the tomb fell over. Like I, I don't know if they died or what the deal was, but they were on the ground. And, and I saw this like light coming out from the from the stone and it rolled away and, and, and then this, this being of light just kind of sat on top of the, of the stone I saw what who now I know was Jesus walk out of the tomb and, and it's like he disappeared but I looked into his eyes and it was him it was the same man that I that I looked into his eyes when he was carrying the cross it was, he was alive it was amazing and then not too long ago uh, two ladies had come uh, to uh, do something with the body. I guess they were going to prepare it for burial or whatever their customs are. And they saw the same being of light that I did. And, and he spoke to them. And I could hear him say, he said, don't be afraid for I know you're looking for Jesus. He was crucified, but he's not here. He's risen just as, as, as they said. And, and uh, then he invited them in to come see that he was gone. And, and of course, they were very, very excited. And they hurried away and ran, and they were all excited. And, and then what I saw amazed me. They were running down the path, and bam, they ran right into Jesus. And he, he talked to them. And they fell down, and they, they grabbed at his feet, and they worshipped him. And I, and I just sat there going, oh, my gosh, this is just too nuts. And he said, don't be afraid. Go tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there I'm going to see them. And I'm telling you what, it was amazing. I've, I saw this with my own eyes, and it was amazing. And now I've got, I don't know what to do. I saw him die, and I saw him come to life. I don't know. Wait a minute, I hear something. What? Oh, no. The soldiers are coming. I've got to hide. 
Stand still. Do not move. Kneel, you dog. But I'm... I've done nothing wrong. We'll see about that. Now silence yourself. What are you doing? No, Neil. Hey, wait a minute. D don't hurt me. Let's take him to the captain. Neil. He may know something about the disappearance of the body. Hey, dog. Ouch. Leave me alone. Stop it. That hurts. Silence the prisoner. If you know what's good for you, you only speak when spoken to. Now move. Take his body. What are you talking about? I will repeat myself only one more time. Did you take the body of this Christ? I didn't. I saw him. He's still alive. He's what? Hey, hey, now wait a minute. You don't have to use that dagger. One pull across your throat and you lie to me no longer. Look, I don't want any trouble. I'm not even from this time. I'm, I am... What are these items we found on your person? What are these? Well, they're, they're my glasses. I mean, you do have glasses. No, you don't have glasses. They help me see. And this, I have never seen the likes of this before. Well, no, that's a little more hard to explain. They fell down and they, they grabbed at his feet and they worshipped oh, him. The and gods, I... what magic is this? An object that speaks of its own accord? Look, I can explain. You will do no such thing. Tell me where the body is or I kill you where you stand. I tell you, I saw Jesus alive. I don't know how. I don't even belong here. But he's alive, I tell you. It is time. Tell me where you hid his body. I didn't. I didn't hide him. I, I tell you, he's, he's alive. Then you are dead. No. Pressure's coming back up. He's coming oh, too. No, no, you've been in an accident, and we're treating your wounds. Can you? Hear no, me? don't hit me again. No, I, I didn't take the body. You've been in a bombing, oh, Mr. Rumstead. No, no. But you're going to be okay. It knocked you out, and you've got some wounds. But we're going to take you to the hospital and patch you up. My head is fuzzy. I don't think the painkiller is kicking in. He should be feeling pretty good here in a minute. Check his IV. You're going to be fine, Doctor. my friend are not claiming responsibility for the rocket attacks in Gaza 
Even after two weeks, the cleanup still goes on from the horrible suicide bombing. In the United States, stocks continue to soar today on the... Hello? Well, we don't have all day, do we now? Some of us don't have time to go and visit anymore. Why don't we get your bum down here? Funny. You Englishmen, so impatient. Why? What did you find? Only exactly what you said we would. You've got to be here when we unearth it. Is Samantha with you? How big is it? Yep, she's here with me. It looks like it's a small one. I get off the bloody phone and get down here. I'm on my way. Yeah, I'm doing okay, doctor. Yeah, my back and neck are still a little sore, but other than that, the stitches have healed up nicely. Yeah, about that. Um, I'm heading into work right now. Hey, three weeks is way too long to be out of commission. Yes, I promise to take it easy. No, no, they didn't find any of it. Well, I mean, there were pieces of my briefcase, but all my notes were burnt. No, no, the hard drive on the laptop is a goner, too. I know, I'm lucky to be alive. I'm not complaining. In fact, after all I've been through, I'd consider myself blessed. Oh, yeah, I haven't forgotten. Tuesday at 3. I'll be there. Hey, doctor, thanks for checking in on me. Okay, hey, I'm just pulling up to the dig site. I'll talk to you then. Uh-huh, you too. Okay, bye. screen, Doctor. Is that what I think it is? Well, it's not a toothbrush. It's a Roman dagger. How far under is it? Oh, Samantha and I uncovered down to the last layer. We thought you might like to do the honors. Do you have the bag ready? Ready and waiting, Doctor. Well, my neck and my back are killing me. But everything I've dreamed of is coming true. Come on, guys, let's do it. Note to... Oh. <laughs> do you have something we can record this with? I've got the digital camera. It's all set up. Come on, Blake. Let's get to this. Okay, start recording. Note to self. We're dusting off the last layer of what we hope to be a Roman dagger from around 10 to 40 AD. Oh, this is fantastic. It has some corrosion, but look at this. It's beautiful. I've got the handle almost free. This is a miracle. I thought you didn't believe in miracles. Yeah, well, I've had some time to think about that lately. (laughs) Wow. So similar to the dagger I saw in my dream. Are you getting this, Samantha? Yes, Dr. Rumstead. The bag is ready, Doctor. Is it free? Here. Let me help. Careful, careful. Okay. Seems to be all in one piece. This is a great find. Tip needs a little more coaxing. Ow! What the heck? I nicked myself on... What is that? I don't know. It's got a lined edge. Right by the tip of the dagger. Let me let me brush it a bit. Whatever it is, it's it's pretty badly corroded. Can you zoom on this, Samantha? I'm with you, Doc. You know, we saw a rectangular image on the X-ray by the dagger, but I assumed it was a sharpening stone. This looks a little thicker than that. Okay, the dagger's almost free. Okay, I'm gonna have to get this other object out before we can pull it free. Let's get a little more aggressive, Charlie. Whatever you say, Doctor. Okay, give it a push. 
It's coming free. What the? Hand me the metal tool. Is that what I think it is? It's my digital recorder.
to a Pulp audio drama cast. Rick Moyer as Dr. Blake Rumstead. Simon Meddings as Dr. Charlie Blankenship. Jen Rhodes as Dr. Samantha Crowley. Catherine Moyer as the Cafe Waitress. Nathan Moyer as Roman Soldier One. Preston Ward as Townsfolk and Captain of the Guard. Richard Pete as Simon of Cyrene. Daryl Skills as EMT-1, Rick Dosty as EMT-2, and Dave Rhodes as the News Anchorman. All music written, recorded, and performed by Rick Moyer. Copyright 2009, Moyer Multimedia, LLC. All rights reserved. For more information, go to takehimwithyou.com. And don't forget to listen to the weekly audio podcast of Take Him With You with Rick Moyer. The weekly podcast that's spiritual, not religious. At www.takehimwithyou.com And thanks for joining us for Beaten to a Pulp, the audio drama. Take Him With You podcast is produced by Moyer Multimedia, LLC. Copyright 2010. All rights reserved. For more information, visit TakeHimWithYou.com. If you'd like to make a donation to continue great dramas like this and more, visit our website, TakeHimWithYou.com, and click on the Donate button. There are several ways you can give, from PayPal to even writing a check. Thanks so much for considering it, and have a wonderful Easter. Easter.